Well, good morning, everyone. How are you doing? Doing all right? Good. Right on. So I'm in the middle of a mini-series called Bridge Builders. Um, do a little recap of what we talked about last week. We dove into Colossians 3. We discovered that Christians are marked by forgiving others. Christians can do this by displaying the same love that God, that God has shown to all of us. You see, we were once sinners separated by God through the sins in our life, but now through faith in Christ Jesus, we are connected with Him personally and intimately. Even though we were once against Him by the sins in our life, God has now forgiven us of our sins. We must display the same forgiveness that God has displayed to each and every single one of us. So, finish up the recap of last week. This week, what I want to talk about is the toolbox that we as believers have in our arsenal to get the job done of starting to build bridges for relationships that are hindered by bitterness, hate, wrongdoing, and even sin. With the proper tools for the job, we will successfully build a well-functioning bridge that lasts the test of time. Last week, we discussed the blueprints necessary for bridge building. And now that we have a plan in place, it's time to take action. In this instance, building a bridge means gathering the right tools for the job. Paul in the epistle of Galatians described the method and tools for holy living for Christians. So let's read Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 25. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let's follow the Spirit as well. You see, in this passage that we just read, Paul declares that Christians ought to live by the Spirit. Us today, Christians today, believers today, ought to live by the fruit of the Spirit. I want to help you live by the Spirit by reminding you of the tools in your Spirit-given toolbox. The first way Christians ought to live by the Spirit is by understanding the tools. Paul wrote the epistle of Galatians to the church of Galatia, which was a Roman providence in Central Asia Minor. Paul visited Galatia at least twice um, in the second missionary journey and again in the third missionary journey. We see that in the Acts of the Apostles. The church of Galatia was um, combining the way to salvation. They were um, combining faith and works as a means of salvation. They were using both and. And Paul, he wrote the epistle of Galatians to define the true gospel and how believers are to walk alongside the Spirit in their own faith journey. The verses that we just read in Galatians describe the tools bestowed to us by the Holy Spirit to build a perfect bridge. These tools are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You see, church, what Paul is saying is that Christian character is not moral, legal, or perfect correctness, but rather the possession and the uh, manifestation of these nine tools, these nine fruits. These tools are a representation of Christ's character. And Paul is saying if Christians want to build the bridge and um, eliminate the bitterness between us and others, they must have these perfect and right tools in their toolbox. Amen. So right now, we're going to walk through the fruits of the Spirit in a quick, but I hope, detailed manner. Let's first look at the first tool, love. 
The word love here is from the Greek word agape. We talked about this last week, so I won't spend a lot of time on it. But this love is the love that God is, is the best way to define it. Un, um, unconditional love. And this love is supposed to be produced in the heart of the believer. We see that in Romans 5.5. 5. Love is the chief ingredient. Love is what brings all things together. 1 Corinthians breaks down what love is in a better way than I ever could, so let's read that real quick. Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not jealous. Love does not brag. It is not arrogant. It does not act disgracefully. It does not seek its own benefit. It is not provoked. It does not keep an account of a wrong suffered. So that brings us to the second tool. The second tool is joy. This joy that Paul describes for us comes from the Holy Spirit, just like the rest of these. Christians are joyful when the bad hits the fan, all right? When bad things happen, Christians still have this joy about them. And this joyfulness only comes from the Holy Spirit. Amen. The third tool we see is peace. The peace that we see here is not peace with God through salvation, but rather peace through God because He is in our hearts. The word peace here comes from the Greek word irony. In the verb tense, this means complete or one. God brings peace to a life of chaos and sin and turns it to a life of purpose and fulfillment. Fourth tool, patience. Paul tells believers that when somebody wrongs or goes against them, they must be patient. They must have forbearance. This must be done without anger and without thinking or the plotting of revenge. Fifth tool, kindness. Paul is saying that this world is a tough place. Everybody is mad at everyone. However, through the fruits of the Spirit, Christians can be filled with kindness instead of being harsh, instead of being mean. Sixth tool is goodness. This truly aims at the moral compass, the moral worth, or the moral demeanor of a Christian, of all humankind. Christians must have goodness in their heart, and this comes as an ability from the fruit of the Spirit. Seventh tool, faithfulness. The faith that is in a believer must be in God's providence and God's strength and sovereignty. Church, Paul is saying that the God we serve is sovereign, and our faith unto Him, our faith in Him, must be attached to the Spirit. The eighth tool is gentleness. Believers must be gentle with others whenever they get wronged or when they do the wronging. They must approach a brother or sister out of love, out of gentleness, using the Matthew 18 approach. Because our love for them must outshine any bitterness that we may have for them. Amen. Finally, the last tool in our toolbox is self-control. This means to possess power over the flesh. When believers are tempted to sin, they must flee. They must run to Jesus and try their hardest to fight for unity. They must fight to not fall a grip to temptation. They must fight to flee the situation. Being tempted, church, is not a sin, but falling a snare to sin through temptation is. Church, what we've been given is the most important, most efficient tools, the most capable tools in the whole wide world. They come through the amazing empowerment of the Holy Spirit. We have been given access to an amazing set of tools that we can use in reconciliation, evangelism, discipleship, missions, forgiveness, and even building a bridge for bad relationships, relationships that have been hurt. 
We can use these fruits of the Spirit in our own lives in all situations. These are gifts from God that result in us living, walking, and abiding by and through the Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit is the moral character developed in us and through us, developed by the Holy Spirit. These fruits or tools are not a new law. They're not a new code. They are the result of us living and being led by the supernatural power of the Spirit. Church, we have the blueprints. Now we have the right tools. And as we continue to strive to love our neighbor, including our enemies, we need to build a bridge over the gap. We have been given the opportunity right here on planet Earth to show the true character of Christ through love. And church, let me tell you, the fields are ripe for the harvest. As Christians, we are called to be a reflection of Christ. And what better way than to mirror His grace and His mercy to those in need? The opportunities are around us every single day. We have fruits that are given to us by God. And what better way to mirror His grace than to forgive others? Amen. We have fruits given to us by God. He produces them. He grows them. He nourishes them in our lives and in our hearts. We have been given tools to help us build bridges over gaps that have affected our lives and our relationships. Church, I want to share something with you that um, drives me up the wall, makes me upset, kind of hinders my spirit, alright? I got something off of Amazon.com, week, two weeks ago, somewhere in there. I got a new bow, alright? Anybody knows anything about me, they know that I like to look for bargains, I look, to, I look for deals, alright? I don't like to pay full price. Amen. So anyway, I got this bow, alright? The thing about it, it is from a third-party distributor. That's how I got such a good deal on it, okay? Now, church, I learned something. If it's too good to be true, it usually is, alright? Anyway, I got this box. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm like a kid on Christmas. So excited. Open it up. It's about um, a box full of 300 pieces. The bow came to me unassembled, alright? Yeah, it was a freak show, all right? And anyway, taped to the side of the box was uh, this little tool right here, this little mini Allen wrench, right? Doesn't hit, uh, fit half the things. So it was bad, and I did what any man would do. Took everything out of the box. I tried to get it figured out, all right? I tried to build this thing from the bottom up. Um, about three hours in, I'm like, you know what? I can't do it. So I did what any real man would do, and I took it to somebody that knew what they were doing, okay? I took it to Absolute Archery in Perryville. They had the bow up and going about 25 minutes, right? See, I worked for 30 minutes, uh, three hours, trying to get this thing put together with this little bitty tool. It didn't work. The instructions that came with this uh, bow were written in Mandarin, had a terrible picture <laughs> diagram to go with it. It just wasn't working. If I would have used that little Allen wrench to get it going, it would have taken me six to eight weeks Possibly six to eight months to get it going. You see, church, sometimes you need the more sufficient and more precise tools to finish the job. Yeah. These tools, these fruits that we read about in Galatians are better than any Allen wrench, I promise you. Amen. I want you to imagine using these fruits as going out to the garage to get the toolbox. These fruits are already given to us by the Holy Spirit when we accept Christ into our lives. Thank you, Lord. All we got to do is go out and grab them. Begin using these tools and start putting them into practice in your own life. We all believe that the Word of God is alive and it is practical. All we have to do is seek these fruits out 
and implement them into our own life. So that brings us to the second way Christians ought to live by the Spirit. It's by crucifying our flesh. So let's read uh, Galatians chapter 5, verses 24 through 25 again. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let's follow the Spirit as well. Paul is suggesting that those who belong to Jesus by faith in Him have crucified the flesh. You see, the flesh produces mankind's passions and desires. Paul uses the word crucifixion as a word to say execution. We all know it's a terrible, cruel way to say die. Paul is saying now that since the world is dead, since the, our flesh is dead, our pleasures are dead through new life in Christ, Christians are able to and now free to serve the Lord. Paul's not saying that this crucifixion analogy means that there is a total death of the flesh, but rather that there is power over the flesh over the Christian has ceased. The power of the flesh over the Christian has ceased. Paul is telling believers that the power of the old self and of the world is now broken. And those influences no longer dominate those risen in and through Christ. Verse 25, we read Paul calling on Christians to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Calling on Christians to please Him in all respects. Bearing fruit in every work. Since believers have accepted Jesus, they must walk in Him. Having been firmly rooted and built in Him in the promises of His Word. We as believers are responsible for crucifying our sinful nature. This is warfare against the flesh. However, believers never fully eradicate sin from their life. It is a continuous war against sin and flesh. But if we live by the Spirit and continue to walk alongside the Spirit, we fight with the Spirit against the flesh. We can use the correct tools to build and mend relationships that have overtaken, that have been overtaken by sinfulness, wrongdoing, whatever it may be. Amen. And as Christians, as believers, we have rendered ourselves to Christ Jesus. We crucified the flesh, so we shouldn't be concerned with the flesh. We, shouldn't, we should walk and march alongside the Spirit's orders, and since we live in freedom of the Spirit, we must not fight with one another. From the message last weekend today, we have an understanding of the blueprints. We know the process of forgiveness outlined by, for us in the Scriptures. And now today, we have a foundation of our tools, and now it's time to put skin in the game. It's time to start building. It's time to start constructing. We can begin building a bridge across the gaps between culture, across friends, family, etc. And we can do this through the empowerment and the enablement by the Holy Spirit. Yes. So church, where do we begin? I'm going to say begin in your home, your circle of influence, your clique, your homies, people you go fishing with. Start where you have proximity with others. Might be the barista at Scooters, the postman, the teller at the bank. Maybe it's a family member you ain't spoken to since Christmas because a political debate got a little too heated. Start where you see people, where you're with people. Today, brothers and sisters, we have a message and it is of complete urgency. If we expect people to be saved, if we expect people to come to the foot of the cross, we must go out of our way. We must go out of our comfort zone and start building the bridge. Come on, that's right. 
see, church, why this is so important to build bridges. We may be the only ambassador of Christ that people see in their own life. So we must exemplify Jesus in all that we do. We must be bold in prayer. We must be intentional in action. And as we reflect Jesus to the people around us, we know and we've experienced that it's not only it's not always easy. It's tough to do. Churches we know, the Mississippi River Bridge is getting an upgrade just right down the road from here. From what I uh, researched online, this bridge was first finished in 1942 with some upgrades in 1944 after a storm came through. I think there were some more upgrades in 1946 as well. And this 22-foot, two-lane bridge has nearly 7,000 cars pass by it every single day. So church, from experience, I think we can all say this bridge needs a little attention. Needs a little upgrade. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. This new bridge that they're building is going to cost roughly $284 million to complete. It's expected to be completed by 2025. This new bridge being built means that there is going to be a tremendous cost, tremendous labor, tremendous time, tremendous inconvenience. Just like the building of the new bridge, church, in our own lives, building bridges between broken relationships may cost us time, may cost us money, energy, and a lot of mental real estate. But we must be willing to go the extra mile. We must be willing to take action on behalf of others by being willing and capable of forgiving wrongdoing. Our relationships with people apart from ours with God at the end of the day, is all that we really have. Relationships with others add an undeniable value to our lives as a whole. The world in which we live does not suggest building bridges. The world in which we live suggests leaving the difficulty, leaving those uh, relationships behind us. But the Word of God suggests building a bridge. As I shared last week, it's easy to move on from a relationship when somebody's wronged you or when the relationship is overcome with sin when the relationship is challenging. But you see, church, we have the authority and we have the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to fight for unity. In fact, the main theme of the New Testament is all about building bridges. We see that in the sacrificial death of Jesus, His life, His death, His burial, and His resurrection. With Christ as our example, as Christ is the head of this church, as Christ is the head of the whole universe, we can trust that through Him, we can accomplish anything. Amen. Today we've learned that we've been given tools by the Holy Spirit to build bridges in our lives that have been hindered by bitterness, wrongdoing, or even sin. We read in Galatians exactly what our tools are. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Paul declares that Christians ought to live by the Spirit. We today, we as believers, ought to live by the fruits of the Spirit. We learn this by understanding our tools and by crucifying our flesh. I hope to have helped you live by the Spirit, reminding you of the tools in your Spirit-given toolbox. How can these tools benefit you in your life as you begin building bridges around you? Church, you know your shortcomings. You know where you struggle. You know where you drop the ball. Ask the Spirit to empower you, to use you, to give you a heart for the harvest that's all around you, to give you a new love for the lost. 
We must strive to be like Jesus. We must be a people of action, willing and capable to step into situations as they are apparent and presented to us. Move beyond your comfort zone. Reach out your hand this week. Build a bridge. When I was preparing for this message, message, I did some research on the planning of the New Chester Bridge. You know, like when you Google something, you just keep reading and reading about it. And I came upon this um, one of the gentlemen in charge of the planning, name of Brian. He was in an interview, and this is what he said about the building of the new bridge. This major river bridge is vital to agricultural life, area industries, and travelers. While the current bridge is safe, it is in poor condition. The new Chester Bridge will reduce the number of flood-related closures and better serve today's traffic. Church, the bridges in our life, the bridges that have been deemed not safe because of sin, wrongdoing, or bitterness, they need some attention. They need some TLC. We need to begin building new bridges that reflect Christ. We now have the tools to build a bridge that brings unity upon the foundation of love. We all have relationships that need some extra help. And this extra help comes from the Holy Spirit. And He's given that to us through love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These tools can build strong bridges. Would you bow with me please? church there's not a body in this room that displays all of these fruits of the spirit in their life in a way of completeness a way of perfectness church I want to ask you a question this morning don't answer out loud what of these fruits are you lacking what fruits are withering away in your own life Maybe the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, or even self-control. Whatever it may be, I want to pray with you this morning. These fruits are given to us by God as a gift. If you've accepted Jesus into your heart and you have these fruits and you have these fruits inside of you and it's time to pick them up it's time to use them it's time to implement them there's areas in our life where we need help in fact I can't imagine doing life without God the spirit has given us some amazing supernatural gifts to help share the gospel message of Jesus's life death burial and resurrection If you want to begin using the tools given to us, begin using the fruits of the Spirit, I want to pray with you right now. If that's you, I want you to lift up your hand and put it right back down. Amen. Anybody else? We've been given tools, and all we've got to do is reach out for them. Can I pray with anybody else? Amen. Let's pray. Dear God, I want to thank You for Your endless mercy on our lives. Thank You for always forgiving us. Father, You've given us tools through Your Spirit to display the love, mercy, and grace that You've displayed to all of us. Father, I pray that You give us the strength and perseverance to build bridges 
across relationships that have been tainted with sin, tainted with hurt, tainted with bitterness, tainted with wrongdoing. Church, I pray that this church will be able to do it with your help. I pray that we grab our spiritual toolbox and begin making a difference for your kingdom, for our good, and for your glory. I ask this in your holy Son's name, Jesus. And amen.